MSW Media. News Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Today, the CDC announces new guidelines for wearing masks outdoors when you're vaccinated. Biden will seek $80 billion as part of his Infrastructure 2.0 bill aimed at beefing up IRS audits of high earners. The FBI has opened a civil rights investigation into the murder of Andrew Brown. Fox News and the New York Post walk back a bunch of bullshit. The UK imposes Magnitsky sanctions against 14 Russians. And there's a 2020 election audit funded by the GOP in Arizona, and it's stupid. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. I snuck that it's stupid in there that wasn't in the <laughs> script. <laughs> you, you, definitely, you definitely did. <laughs> and it's stupid. Uh, we have it. It never ceases to amaze me that, and this this episode is probably going to be called something outrageous. Every time I have a really high profile, important guest on, like Andy McCabe, I always have an episode title like "Heavy Metal Vomit Party" or something. Right. So, so today I am going to be talking with the architect and author of the Magnitsky Act, Bill Browder. He was on, I think, episode four, episode six of Mueller. She wrote, went back in the kitchen table days. If you want to hear us uh, talk to Bill Browder from the kitchen table, you can do that regarding his congressional testimony uh, back in 2017. And uh, he and I are going to talk about these new UK sanctions imposed under the Magnitsky Act, uh, which is is absolutely crucial and important and a huge first step uh, against uh, corruption and human rights violations. And so we're hoping the U.S. follows suit. It's a really interesting conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, Also... Uh, let's see what else. Oh, uh, tomorrow is Thursday. And I just want to remind everybody that uh, Dana and I will not be having a stereo show. But if you just want to know when we're going to be doing the stereo stuff, you just go to stereo.com slash Allison Gill, two L's and Allison, two L's and Gill, and follow me at Allison Gill, follow Dana at DG Comedy, and you can get an, an update when we go live. And you can ask us anything, literally. Um Unless it's like super gross, then our screener might not. People have been so good. Like it's been appropriate uh, comments, questions, all of it. We've we have never had to throw anyone out or been like blocking anyone. It's been great. Everyone's been fantastic. I yes. love that hour of the week. And we have a wonderful screener, so that if we do get any weird creepers or anything, they don't make it through. So you don't have to worry about being triggered by weirdos. Oh well, then maybe some of you have been assholes, but <laughs> you haven't reached you haven't reached us yet. I loved your. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, well, then maybe some of you are jerks. I don't know. And uh, I have some big personal news. I am launching a podcast network in May. Woo-hoo! It's called MSW Media. It's not out yet. You can't find it anywhere, but it's launching in May. I will keep you posted. And it's going to include shows like The Bureau from F- Frank Fagluzzi, Prevail from Greg Oliar, Zev Shalev's Narrative, Glenn Kirshner's Justice Matters, Renato Mariotti, his on-topic podcast, Andrew Torres's opening arguments. Of course, Dana, you and I recorded the Mary Trump Book Club. We're going to be releasing that seven-episode series with so good. Mary joining us on the seventh episode. Uh, and, of course, The Daily Beans and Clean Up on Aisle 45. Uh, so it is... It's the only, it's going to be the only, first and only woman-run, veteran-run podcast network. Very proud of you. So very proud um, of you. I'm here to build this community. Uh, of all of the things that uh, I think have come from our little show with its humble beginnings in the in the kitchen, this community that we've built is the most important. Uh, I want to disrupt the male-dominated industry. I want to keep the White House and the Senate and the House of Representatives blue in 2022 and beyond. Uh, our tagline is news, politics, justice. Love it. And I'll have more information for you soon. I'm really excited about this. I hope you are too. Uh, it's going to be, I just want to expand and grow this community of, of, of like-minded listeners, like like y'all who I love so much uh, and couldn't have done this without. So thank you very much. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, ooh, I'm just so excited. Anyway, <laughs> that's my little personal news. We do have a lot of news to get to today though. So let's do that also. Let's actually, you know, why you're here. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's cover that as well, shall we? Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. 
All right, lead story today, eat the rich. Uh, pr- no, just kidding, but tax them at least. President Biden, Definitely in, an, tax them. <laughs> in an effort to pay for his ambitious economic agenda, is expected to propose giving the IRS an extra $80 billion with a B dollars and more authority over the next 10 years to help crack down on tax evasion by high earners and large corporations. This is so cool. Um, The additional money and enforcement power will accompany new disclosure requirements for people who own businesses that are not organized as corporations and for other wealthy people who could be hiding income from the government. Hmm. Hmm. Who could that be? I don't know. Hmm. Every Republican ever. Uh, Looking at you, Drake Ventures. What's up, Roger Stone? Big ups. Um, The Biden Biden administration will portray these efforts, coupled with the new taxes it's proposing on corporations and the rich, as a way to level the tax playing field between typical American workers and very high earners who employ sophisticated efforts to not pay taxes. The $80 billion in proposed funding would be an increase of two-thirds over the agency's entire funding levels for the past decade. Whew. The administration estimates that given the IRS an additional $80 billion over a decade could raise at least $780 billion in new tax revenue for a net gain of at least $700 billion. Pays for itself. Get it? Get it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden plans to use the money to help pay for his American Families Plan, which he will detail before addressing a joint session of Congress on Wednesday. This will be the largest single revenue raiser for that plan, American Families Plan. So we've had the American Recovery Plan, American Jobs Plan, and now the America Families Plan. It sounds like we're putting America first. Mm, yeah, huh. but actually... But actually, just Americans, right? Yes. Congress uh, on Wednesday. This uh, so this this plan. And I'm looking forward to this speech that he's going to give on Wednesday. And I'll be live with Zev Shalev on our Twitter feeds um, uh, for that uh, address to Congress. First hundred days. The plan, following his 2.3 trillion dollar infrastructure package, is expected to cost 1.5 trillion and will include universal pre-kindergarten, a federal pay- paid leave program, efforts to make childcare more affordable, free community college for all, and tax credits meant to fight poverty. I don't know why this isn't a bigger story right now. I agree with you. This is huge. So remember when we said, all right, we got the American Rescue Plan out of the way for COVID. Now we're going to have infrastructure. And he's probably going to split it into two giant bills equaling about $4 trillion. And he went to the parliamentarian to see if he could get an extra go at budget reconciliation so he could split this infrastructure plan into two parts. Uh, One with more bridges and roads and shit to see if he could get Republicans to come on board. He won't. And uh, the other, you know, the other with uh, a bunch of stuff that Republicans are definitely going to shit all over. Uh, But that's this is 2.0, right? Infrastructure 2.0 called the American Families Plan. The administration also aims to pay for the plan by raising the top marginal income tax rate for wealthy Americans to 39.6 percent from 37 percent where it currently is and raising capital gains tax rates for those who earn more than a million a year, which can com- could combine to raise hundreds of billions of dollars. Mr. Biden will also seek to raise the tax rate on income that people earning more than one million a year per uh, year receive through stock dividends. Right. So people who just make money with their money and who make more than a million a year. Now, 39.6, of course, McConnell's like eye popping tax hike from 37 to 39.6 okay and under eisenhower it was 91 under reagan it was like 52 like Mm -hmm. this is really low (laughs) compared to 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 what republicans consider to be their kings of the past if you will uh with less money and staff the irs has been forced to become more lax and enforcing tax laws. Examinations of individual tax returns fell by 46%, and audits of corporate tax filings fell by 37%. Biden aims to change that. His economic team includes a University of Pennsylvania economist, Natasha Serin, whose research with the Harvard University economist Lawrence H. Summers suggests that the United States could raise $1.1 trillion over a decade. With a trill. With a trill. <laughs> Tea with a trill. Uh, Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure proposal is very broadly popular, too. This is great. A new Monmouth poll shows 68% of Americans support the infrastructure bill. That's the, that's the big one. And just 29% oppose it. That's not what Senate the Senate looks like. Right. 100% of Republicans in Senate oppose it. That's not going along with what your constituents want. And either the constituents are going to get sick of it, or hopefully Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema will get sick of it. (laughs) 
get rid of the filibuster. Oh, jeez, I have a feeling the citizens are going to get sick of it before Joe Manchin does. Uh, true. Biden also announced today that the CDC now recommends that vaccinated people can go maskless outdoors. This is a huge incentive to get vaccinated. Uh, many folks ask, how can we tell the difference if Between we're all Republicans now and vaccinated people. <laughs> yeah. and that's not what the CDC said. Yeah, but that's what they meant. <laughs> um, but according to the CDC, who is very conservative, they never want to walk back a recommendation. Right. They're very conservative. It doesn't matter. If you're outdoors and you're vaccinated, you're safe. Right. Transmission outdoors is extremely low and rare. And vaccinated people are super safe. Uh, They still recommend you wear a mask outdoors in large groups or in close range with folks you don't know. They could be Republicans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another vaccine incentive in West Virginia, bribery. They're giving $100 savings bonds to anyone under 35 that gets vaccinated. Good old bribe. I love it. You know what? Great. I love it. Me too. I love it. I also love that anti-vaxxer tax money (laughs) is paying for this. (laughs) Well, you know what? My taxes... (laughs) As an LGBTQ person, go to a lot of stuff that I can't take advantage of if I live in 36 states right now. So I am totally okay with $100 each person from anti-vaxxers going toward people that will get vaccinated. Yeah. Oh, and next time you see your racist, bigoted uncle at a family gathering, just give him a nudge and say, hey, your taxpayers are paying for uh, transgender health care in the military. Indeed. You're welcome. Indeed. I'm like, you don't know my uncle. How the hell did you? Okay. Um... This next story, the Rupert Murdoch, you know, the owned New York Post, has quietly deleted two stories that made false claims about Vice President Kamala Harris's book being given out to migrant children being housed in a California facility. Now, the Washington Post reached out to officials in Long Beach, however, and found that Harris's book is not being handed out in welcome kits. You've got to be fucking kidding me. And in reality, the New York Post story was based on a single copy of the book. One single copy that was, quote, donated during a citywide donation drive. Ugh. God, the racism and misogyny. Also, interestingly, the lady that wrote the story, I just saw this on Twitter. She put out a tweet saying, ah, they made me write it. And now this, I resign after oh. she gets caught. Right. After she's after they made her pull it, the New York Post so far has not issued any correction to its previous reporting or explained how it reported the story incorrectly. They simply deleted the stories like fucking cowards, which is what they normally do because God forbid you take responsibility, New York Post. Mm. And a Fox News anchor admitted on air, AG, on Monday that his show was inaccurate when it claimed on Friday that President Joe Biden is trying to require Americans to sharply reduce their consumption of what? Red meat. <laughs> His show was inaccurate. I think you mean you he lied. lied. Yeah, yeah, that's what my show's inaccurate means. John Roberts, co-host of the afternoon show America Reports, made the Monday concession after CNN and other... I'm having a hard time keeping a straight face during the story. <laughs> and other media outlets published fact-checked articles explaining that Biden does not have any plan to restrict red meat consumption. <sighs> Roberts acknowledged Monday that a graphic and the script from his Friday show incorrectly implied incorrectly implied that means lied that a 2020 academic study about meat eating and greenhouse gas emissions is quote part of biden's plan for dealing with climate change now robert said that is not the case although if you ask me there is a big problem with gas emissions from cat whatever we can talk about that later (laughs) roberts has falsely claimed on friday that the study which is not connected in any way to biden's actual policies found that the people need to say goodbye to your burgers if you want to sign up for biden climate agenda as roberts spoke on friday fox aired a graphic that claimed biden's climate requirements are to cut 90 percent of red meat from your diet max four pounds per year that's one burger per month people that's it a burger today that you can gladly pay you Tuesday for, but that's all you get. Hold on the a gra- second. Wait a yeah. second. Wait a second. I know. I know. Wait a second. Wait. Because four divided by twelve. <sighs> okay, pounds. so they're eating. They're eating third pound burgers. Okay. It's reasonable. Third I think that's like an In and Out or something like that. Mm. Which I don't necessarily think are good burgers, and I hope they're not a sponsor of the show <laughs> because <laughs> no, they're not. That would suck. Um, it's weird. I actually like Five Guys, and it's a lesbian to say that out loud. It's very awkward, but that's my favorite burger. <laughs> Gonna keep making you say it. <laughs> Five Guys. Okay. The graphic went viral online. Uh, it was amplified on Twitter by 
no one other than Donald Jr., the Republican governors of Texas and Idaho, and a few others. But it was entirely wrong. Fox News host Jesse Waters and Ensley Earhart also pushed false claims about Biden and red meat. This is so odd. So did Fox business host Larry Kudlow, and he's the former guy's administration uh, economic official. They, they've been pat- they've been trying to push this bullshit for a while. Uh, blonde Barbie Tommy Lauren, mm. she's been doing this too. Yeah, for because uh, one AOC right with the Green exactly. New Deal, they're yeah. going to take your cows. Oh, and uh, Kamala, she was saying that Kamala Harris was actually going to. Oh, you know, right? Take, you, yeah, take you can make everyone go vegan or some <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Kudlow actually said. Uh, he went on to say, if we don't watch out, Biden will have us all drinking plant-based beer. Now, I have no idea how that walking gin blossom does not know that beer is most definitely made from plants. Mostly hops and <laughs> some other barley and other things that grow. Hey, hey maybe he's not a beer guy, right? Totally. He might be a plant-based vodka guy or a plant-based wine guy. I don't know what's in his heart, you know? I don't know. Because <laughs> yeah, lots of alcohol you're drinking, everybody. Comes from plants. Yes, Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow has a plant-based liver for sure. Oh my goodness! <laughs> also, it's probably pickled, which is yeah. also a plant, which is yep. also a vegetable. Actually, it's pickles are fruit. Let's not talk. Let's not go there. Let's move on. <laughs> Did you know pickles are fruits? Cucumbers are fruits because they have seeds. It's fucking yeah. weird. Anyway, mm. continue with your story. Mm. Okay. Also today. Tuesday, the FBI said that it has opened a federal civil rights investigation into Brown's death. Uh, This is Andrew Brown. The FBI will work with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of North Carolina and the Civil Rights Division at the Department of Justice. Stein, the state attorney general, tweeted support Tuesday for the State Bureau of Investigation's work on the case. Quote, a number of people have asked me to take over this prosecution. I want to clarify, under North Carolina law, the district attorney, not the attorney general, controls the prosecution of criminal cases. For my office to play a role, the district attorney must request our assistance. My office has reached out to the DA, Andrew Womble, to offer that assistance, which he has acknowledged but hasn't asked for. Uh, Attorneys for the family of Andrew Brown Jr. at an emotional Tuesday news conference today in Elizabeth City said a private autopsy showed that he died when uh, Pascatank County Sheriff's deputies fired a kill shot to the back Mm. of his head, the back Mm. of his head. The report also showed four additional shots in his right arm. Brown, 42, was killed in his car outside his home in Elizabeth City last Wednesday. Sellers said the family arranged an independent autopsy, quote, because the medical report we got just said shot to the head. And we wanted to make sure it was clearly denoted that he was shot in the back of the head. This inconsistency and lack of information comes on the heels of a completely botched response to the incident by the Pascatank County officials who appear to be covering up what really happened in this case? Yesterday, they showed only a 20-second clip of one body cam video to the family and their attorney, Chantel Cherry Lassiter. Two other attorneys, including Bakari Sellers, who represent the Brown family, asked to view the video and were blocked from doing so because they aren't uh, members of the North Carolina Bar, which isn't required uh, for them to do that. When they pressed, uh, the county attorney, Michael Cox, said, I won't be fucking bullied, said that to Bakari Sellers. There were eight officers on the scene who knows how many squad cars with dash cams, and they only showed them 20 seconds of one body cam video. Absolutely. They're hiding something. And now the county autopsy saying shot in the head, when in fact you're just leaving out that convenient fact that he was shot in the back of the head, which means he was leaving the scene when he was killed. You, 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 if somebody is leaving the scene, let him go. Absolutely. You've got their information. They were serving a warrant. Find them another day. I, it, I don't understand any of this. The truth will come out, though. And in addition to prosecuting the officers, I hope they also prosecute these county officials that I think clearly obstructed justice. Absolutely. This story, horrifying. It's another police shooting. And it, there's so many of them. They're so... The numbers are... Uh, it's It's... It's painful to hear the stories. I know for the listeners as well, this has to be changed. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have an attorney general that's starting to launch investigations into um, police departments in different yeah. cities when things like this happen. And I had asked Ellie yesterday, I said, do you think they're going to launch, you know, because they just did uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago, Minneapolis and then Louisville uh, yesterday on yesterday's show. And now I said, well, do you think they're going to launch one into this? The FBI is now uh, looking into that. Um, so... 
yeah, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, and I'm glad. I'm glad that they're looking into it. it. It will all come out. It'll all come out. Whether it comes out in court from subpoenaed yeah. through discovery, it's all going to come out. So now we're going to take kind of a right turn here. I didn't have anywhere else to put this story uh, in the episode. So it's this is kind of... Uh, we're going from a very serious story to a really unserious story. So I apologize for the lack of segue here. Uh, but uh, Dana, take it away. Take it away. This one's from Mark Caputo at Politico. And this is the quote that starts the story. This is a little palate cleanser. A successful ninja is unseen, unheard, stealthy. Now, by that standard, the firm, the firm Cyber Ninjas, not shitting you, which... Uh, <laughs> Arizona Republicans chose to audit the ballots cast in 2020 in the Phoenix area fits this bill. Almost no one involved in the election or politics in Florida, in Florida, the state where the company is headquartered, seems to have heard of it or knows anything about it. That's, That's Florida. Their, their response should be, it's because we're ninjas. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and I was wondering, I, you know, I bet Roger Stone does. I mean, he's the Florida political dirty trickster right he seems to be involved in every sketchy fucking story out of florida so yeah i'm sure roger stone knows well apparently not he does not at least a bunch of top florida republicans are claiming they've never heard of him roger stone included in this jason miller election law attorneys jim baker dan norby bush's lawyer during the 2000 recount barry richard a lawyer for desantis rick scott named ben gibson Ryan Tyson, none of them, AG, have ever heard of this guy or cyber ninjas. <laughs> Apparently, they're that stealthy. Ma. Yes. According to, dun, 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 according to the Independent Arizona Mirror, Logan authored a document bristling with conspiracy theories surrounding voting machine companies that was posted on the website of lawyer Sidney Powell. Yeah. Now, L- Logan, just so you know, just so you know, Logan is the CEO. Mm, got it. Got it. Got it. Now, she... Uh, she is now being sued, as we know, by those voting machine companies, Dominion, yes, Voting Systems and Smartmatic, along with a host of other of the former guy supporters for defamation. So Logan also And that's Sydney Powell, that's Sydney Powell that's being sued. Yeah. Oh yes. Right. Yeah. Not Logan. Right. No, Sydney no. Powell's being sued. But his conspiracy theories are being put out on Sydney Powell's website. I see. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but she's the one getting sued. It's amazing how they do this. So Logan also tweeted, the parallels between the statistical analysis of Venezuela, Venezuela, and this year's elections are astonishing. But then he deleted his entire account. (laughs) Well, do you remember when the Republicans got mad? And 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 you remember how they sort of fired the Kraken? They fired sort of fired Sidney Powell for for making the Venezuela claims. They were like, all right, even that, that's a little even too hard. That's even too us. far yeah. for us. Yeah. So in Florida, a few GOP insiders couldn't help but, ch- but chuckle at the Cyber Ninja's name or its low production value website. But despite being totally conspiratorial and having been paid $150,000 by the Arizona Republican Party, they are the firm auditing the 2.1 million ballots cast in Maricopa County, which encompasses the Phoenix metro area. So these fuckers, apparently that don't exist or have a real company, have taken $150,000 of your hard-earned money in Arizona to the Republican Party, the donations there, mm. and they're doing this bullshit. Yeah, I can see the, I can, I can hear the court transcript now. Yes. Uh, Mr. Logan, did you in fact shelter a million dollars in Roger Stone's Drake Ventures Corporation? And him saying, uh, you can't see the taxes I paid because I'm a ninja. <laughs> Can he see me? Can they see me? They can't see me. Yeah, he's just standing there like, can they see me? Can they see me? Uh, can they see me? Uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> the low production website is is hilarious to me. Like he's like he's up on Angel Fire or something, <laughs> you know? Oh, oh man. God. What a mess. Uh, I'm 100% sure if cyber, cyber ninjas, here, here's what's going to happen. They're going to find all kinds of election malfeasance and sure. fraud, uh, which they will wholly fabricate. Pay it no mind. It is a farce. Uh, and uh, this is the good news, some good news today. The UK has imposed Magnitsky sanctions on 14 Russians involved in the original corruption that Magnitsky himself was murdered for exposing. I'll be going in-depth with the creator of the Magnitsky Act, Bill Browder, right after this. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's AG for The Beans. Do you dread looking at your credit card statement every month? I really do. You are not the only one. When it comes to paying off debt, it can feel like an uphill battle. High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments keeps you in an endless cycle of debt. But Upstart can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easiest way to pay off your debt with personal loans, all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get simple fixed monthly payment rates. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. You're not just a number. They look at your income and employment history. This means they can offer smart rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see the rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. At, and after this past year, I know a lot of people are struggling, and uh, so many of my comedian friends and gig workers have found themselves in financial holes or having to you know, use credit card. Uh, use credit cards to get by, and they're running up these credit card debts. So I recommend to everyone and all the listeners out there, check out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Your loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided on your loan application. So go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Today, uh, we've learned that the United Kingdom has imposed its first sanctions under the Magnitsky Act. And now we're going to be speaking with the architect of the Magnitsky Act. His name is Bill Browder. Bill, welcome to The Daily Beans. Great to be here. It is really, really a pleasure to talk to you. It's an honor to talk to you. The last time we spoke was for the Mueller She Wrote podcast. It was after you testified to Congress, I think last July 2017. uh, We spoke in December about the Magnitsky Act. And I was hoping you could explain a little bit about who Magnitsky was and why uh, your global campaign to make the Magnitsky Act a reality made you a target, uh, a very high target, high value target for Vladimir Putin. Yes. So so, so Sergei Magnitsky um, uh, was my lawyer in Russia. I was running the largest investment fund in the country starting in 1996 up until 2005. And um, as, as, the, um, as I was running this investment fund, I discovered massive corruption in some of the biggest Russian state-owned companies that we were invested in, like Gazprom. Uh, I exposed the corruption. <clears throat> uh, in retaliation, I was expelled from the country. My offices were raided. Um, my documents were seized. And I hired Sergei Magnitsky, who was um, the smartest lawyer I knew in Russia, to um, investigate. And he discovered that the um, seizure of our documents were used in a high-level government corruption scheme where they stole $230 million of taxes that my firm had paid to the Russian government from the Russian government. So he discovered this crime. He exposed it. He testified against the officials involved. And he was subsequently arrested by the same officials he testified against, tortured for 358 days. He got very sick in prison. They denied him medical attention. And then on November 16, 2009, uh, he went into critical condition And on that night, instead of putting him in the emergency room, they put him in an isolation cell. They chained him to a bed and eight riot guards with rubber batons beat Sergei Magnitsky until he died. Uh, He was 37 years old. He left a wife and two children. I got the news the very next day, and it became my um, mission, my life's work, to go after the people who killed him to make sure they face justice. And I was originally hoping to get justice inside of Russia, but Putin personally got involved in the cover-up and the exoneration of everybody who played a role. And it became obvious that I needed to get justice outside of Russia. And at that point, I said to myself, how do we get justice in a situation like this? And I said to myself, well, um, the people who killed Sergei Magnitsky did it for money. They did it for $230 million. And those people don't keep that money in Russia. They keep it in the West. They keep it in, in American banks and French real estate and send their kids to boarding school in England and so on. And so I went to Washington and I met uh, two senators, a Democrat from Maryland named Benjamin Cardin and a uh, Republican from Arizona, late John McCain. I told them the story of what happened to Sergey, and I said, can we freeze these people's assets and ban their visas? And these two senators said yes. And that became known as the Magnitsky Act. And it um, took off like a rocket in Washington. It passed the Senate 92 to 4. It passed the House of Representatives with 89%. And on December 14, 2012, President Obama signed it into law. 
And it completely made Putin crazy. He just was so upset. And he was upset because, first of all, it was the first time that the U.S. had imposed sanctions against Russia since, since the Soviet Union, since like, you know, the Cold War. And second, and most important, is that Putin um, uh, is the richest guy in Russia, and he keeps his money in the West. And he believed that, that at some point his own money would get frozen. And, um, and so he made it his single largest foreign policy priority um, to repeal the Magnitsky Act. And he also made it one of his top government priorities to go after me. And I've been threatened with death, with kidnapping. Um, they've tried to have me arrested through Interpol eight times. I've been sued. I've been, they made movies about me. It's, it's, it's a constant harassment from the Russian government in every different possible way because Putin is so angry because I've put his money at risk. Yeah, I remember those red notices um, and you getting picked up on on, on several occasions um, and then released. Uh, and when you talk about this anti-Magnitsky campaign, the reason that we had you on the Mueller She Wrote show was because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Veselnitskaya, who was at that Trump Tower meeting, was uh, uh, somebody who was heading up this anti-Magnitsky or working really hard on the anti-Magnitsky campaign. And and during that time, I think the U.S. In, or the Ru- Russia in retaliation stopped the United States uh, from allowing citizens of, of the United States to adopt Russian babies. And so uh, adoptions sort of became the the code word for for sanctions, and uh, that's I think what Veselnitskaya was attempting to do in that in that Trump Tower meeting, or at least it was brought up. Am I am I right on that? Yeah. So Natalia Veselnitskaya um, was eff- effectively an agent for the Russian government. Um, she was reporting to um, a, a guy named Yuri Chaika. Yuri Chaika was the general prosecutor of Russia. He was Putin's chief enforcer. Um, he's the guy who sort of does all the dirty business that Putin needs to get done of having people arrested and so on. And so she was on, uh, she was effectively dispatched to the United States using uh, enormous amounts of money from Russia to have the Magnitsky Act repealed um, and to do everything that she could to discredit me. And um, as part of that uh, campaign that she was running, and she, and I should point out that it was extremely well-financed. They were working with major lobbying firms, um, major uh, lawyers, uh, major PR firms, and they were even working with Glenn Simpson. They hired Glenn Simpson, the Fusion GPS, to try to smear me in Washington. And um, uh, and part of her campaign led her uh, on June 9th, 2016, uh, to Trump Tower, where she met with uh, Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort, along with several other Russians who came there. And it was exclusively about me and the Magnitsky Act. The, and the pitch was, uh, uh, if Donald Trump were to become president, can can they have the Magnitsky Act um, repealed? And um, the, uh, the big question was, um, obviously, that was the ask. What was the offer? And uh, to this day, there's still no clarity about, about that and whether it was uh, successful or not. Right. Something about uh, Hillary getting money from the Ziff brothers or something, and they had dirt, but she didn't have it with her. It, it's all very convoluted, and a lot of things are still missing. And I remember Goldstone, who set that meeting up, uh, referred to Veselnitskaya as incorrectly working for the crown prosecutor of Russia, but that's who you were talking about as the general counsel there. Yeah, the general prosecutor. So there's no crown prosecutor. There's crown prosecutor in the UK because there, we have a crown. Um, but but but, um, but in, in in Russia, there's no crown prosecutor, but they have a general prosecutor, and she was working, and, and she's admitted that she does that. I mean, there's no mystery about her relationships, and and it's all been fully fleshed out and ventilated. And, and in fact, she was ultimately indicted by the Department of Justice um, for obstruction of justice um, because she lied to uh, uh, federal officers in the court about um, her relationship with the. Um, general prosecutor of Russia, where she was claiming that she had nothing to do with him, and there were documents proving that she was drafting. Do- she she was uh, there was a, there was a leaked email where a word document where where and into properties. It was a document that that was sent from the prosecutor's office, but with all of her edits in it. 
Mm. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember we reported on that. And and I think one of the sticking points for uh, some of the people who questioned you in Congress was that Glenn Simpson, who ended up working for Hillary Clinton, uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign to get the, the dirt on the oppo research on, on Donald Trump. And so there was that whole tie in that sort of uh, improperly or, or incorrectly raised the hackles of a lot of Republicans on the Hill. Yeah, Glenn Simpson was was uh, working on both sides. He was working for the Russians at the same time as he was working for the Clinton campaign. And, and as far as I can tell, transferring information back and forth. And so he was really a sort of liability in terms of if to the extent that the anti-Trump movement was relying on any of his work, um, he created a liability for that as opposed to an asset. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting conflict of interest uh, there for for sure. And I remember Preva's own holdings came up quite a bit in that discussion, too. and now I want to get to these sanctions, uh, these new sanctions from the UK. I do have to take a really quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. I am the Ultimate Snacker. And today's episode is brought to you by the Ultimate Snack People, Nuts.com. This is the best kept secret of all savvy snackers across the country. Nuts.com has such an amazing variety of high quality, delicious snacks available. They have white chocolate toffee cashews, which are so delicious, bourbon pecans, crystallized ginger, uh, honey sesame sticks. Uh, I really like the dried mango uh, strips. They're so, so good. And Nuts.com isn't just for nut lovers. It's your one-stop pantry shop as well. You can get pasta and flour and baking mixes and stuff. I love discovering new things on their site. I have found everything you can think of. Baking items, items for smoothies, rolled oats, beans, and of course, so many delicious healthy nuts, dried fruit, flour, just everything. They have over 4,000 products and they have pictures of them all and they're all amazing. It's the the quality. I have never had a cashew this good before in my life. It is your one-stop online pantry shop. They have gluten-free and vegan options as well and kid-friendly snacks. They have dried strawberries, which are kids love, I love as well. And they have custom trail mixes, plus all the the raw, organic, roasted, salted, and candied nuts you can imagine. Even chocolate-dipped. Nuts.com is a family-run business. They take pride in getting you the freshest. So check out their easy-to-navigate website and all the great photos of their products. Delivery is fast. Most orders ship the same day. New Nuts.com customers get free shipping on your first order when you text the word BEANS to 64000. And remember, you support our show when you support our sponsors. So please, text BEANS to 64000 to get free shipping on your first order from nuts.com. That's beans to 64,000. Terms apply, available at nuts.com slash terms. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to Bill Browder, the architect of the Magnitsky Act. And we've, we're learning this week that new sanctions from the UK, including sanctions against 14 Russians, have been put in place under the Magnitsky Act. Uh, can you talk a little bit about this particular set of sanctions and how it relates to Magnitsky? And actually, it's a very direct tie, isn't it? Indeed, it is. So um, in 2012, the US passed the Magnitsky Act. And the, um, uh, the Magnitsky Act was originally just for Russia. And, um, and, and, and because Putin got so upset, uh, 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 Senators Cardin and McCain and Wicker, who are the original co-sponsors, said, well, if, if, these, um, Senator, if, these, if Putin is so upset, there's probably a lot of other dictators who should be equally upset. We should roll it out globally. And so they then created the Global Magnitsky Act. And both the, US, uh, both the Russian Magnitsky Act and the Global Magnitsky Act applied to both human rights violators, people who do torture and murder, it also applied to people involved in massive corruption. And they put together a pretty great list of bad guys in the U.S., roughly 50 people directly involved in the Magnitsky case. And and so that was a great start. But these people don't just travel to the United States, don't just keep their money in the United States. They travel to other places. And, and, And we saw a lot of them coming in and out of the U.K., and 30 years ago, I came to live in the UK. I'm a British citizen. And so I felt really um, pretty aggrieved that, that um, Britain didn't have a Magnitsky Act. And, and it took a long time to get the British government and the British parliament to put a Magnitsky Act in place. And, and there were successive governments that really tried to block it because there's so much Russian money floating around London that it created a, a real sort of inherent conflict um, which it was hard to overcome. And it was only possible to overcome it um, after the Skripal poisoning in Salisbury in 2018. You may mm. remember that, that mm-hmm. the Russians came 
and and used a uh, chemical nerve agent to um, poison one of their defectors named Sergei Skripal and his daughter. Um, and um, and it completely shut down like a whole region of England um, as they uh, uh, as they were trying to determine how badly this poison was going to affect people and so on. And um, and so at that point, the UK finally um, conceded and allowed the Magnitsky Act to go forward. And so the Magnitsky Act came into law in 2018, but it only came into law um, for human rights violators. And it was only until it was only last summer that they first they sanctioned the first group of people um, that the U.S. had already sanctioned back in 2013. And so I was really um, uh, it was good. It was great that I was happy that they finally did. But there was but the people who were sanctioned weren't the ones involved in the corruption scheme. They were just the ones who did the torture and murder. And the ones involved in the corruption scheme, in a certain way, are more complicit because um, you know the guys who are financially benefiting are the ones that that um, uh, that are ordering the the, um, the low level guys to do the torturing and murdering, and um, and so uh, and so I've been working um, putting pressure, advocating the British government to add corruption to their Magnitsky Act, and 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 I explained to them I said that that. You know the, the Magnitsky case is, is a case in point. <laughs> it was the, the, the reason they killed him was because of corruption, and, and it's not just the Magnitsky case; it's happening all over the world. And so um, they finally um, uh, realized that this was the right thing to do, and they uh, yesterday they passed uh, uh, an amendment or a new uh, a new addition to the Magnitsky Act to go after corrupt individuals. And the first and, and of the twenty two people that they sanctioned. 14 of them were Russian, and of those 14, all of them were involved in the Magnitsky corruption, this, the corruption scheme that Sergei Magnitsky had exposed and was killed over. And then the other um, eight were involved in, in corruption in other parts of the world, including South Africa and Guatemala and, and so on. And, um, and so this is a, a monumental um, uh, legislative development, both for me as a campaigner for justice for Sergei Magnitsky, but, but also um, what it does is it, is it um, goes after the kleptocrats, all the dictators and kleptocrats who keep their money here in London, and a lot of them do. And so this is just the first step in what I hope will, will make London a less welcoming place for bad guys. And it also gives the British government a lot of leverage because every self-respecting kleptocrat and dictator wants to keep their money here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd like to see it uh, sort of ripple out to some other countries as well. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about the, Magni- the Magnitsky Act here in, in the United States. And I know that uh, Congress actually activated, you said it, you know, it was for, they made it for other countries, not just for Russia. Uh, and we actually activated the Magnitsky Act for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And I believe under the act, the the president at the time, the former guy, had 90 or 120 days to respond officially under the Magnitsky Act, but just sort of left it hanging. So we never really got anything from that. But now with these sanctions, I know that our new Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, has hailed these sanctions. And uh, I was wondering... I don't think that this last round of sanctions against Russia imposed by the United States and U.S. Treasury is part of the Magnitsky Act. Do you have do you know that? Well, so so there's a lot to unpack there. So first, first of all, the um, uh, uh, so on the Jamal Khashoggi story, um, I should point out that that is the sort of exact type of situation that, that the Magnitsky Act should be used for. He was a truth teller. He was an opposition. He was exposing corruption and bad governance in Saudi Arabia. And then and he was a journalist and they ended up luring him to the embassy, killing him and chopping him to little pieces. I can't think of a more appropriate use for the Magnitsky Act. And um, and everybody in Congress felt the same way, both on Democrat and Republican side. And there's a thing in the Magnitsky Act called the congressional trigger, which is a special provision which says that if the chairman and ranking member of one of six committees writes a letter to the president and asks him to sanction a certain individual, then the president has 120 days to respond and say, yes, I did, or no, I didn't, and here's why. And so the chairman and ranking member, which means a Democrat and Republican um, of the Foreign Affairs or the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, wrote to President Trump 
um, in 2018 after uh, Khashoggi was murdered and said, we would like Mohammed bin Salman uh, to be sanctioned. Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, the person who ordered the murder. And, um, and, and they had 120 days to respond and they didn't respond as you, as you said. Um, now, um, what, what, what's interesting, and, and I think uh, this is, this tells you a lot about real politic and, and the, the extent that, that truth um, can go, um, is that um, one was expecting a, a sort of more robust response from uh, President Biden. <laughs> and President Biden then comes in with his um, Secretary of State, Blinken, and, and uh, with all guns blazing, they release the intelligence report um, on the Saudi uh, operation, which directly implicates uh, Mohammed bin Salman. And, and then what do they do? They don't sanction him. Yeah. So it's, I mean, so, so, um, uh, <laughs> you know, the, this is where, where the rubber meets the road. Now, um, coming, coming to your other question about the Magnitsky Act. So the Magnitsky Act now um, uh, has been used not um, in, the, um, in the latest round of sanctions against Russia. Um, that, was, that, that was different sanctions. However, on the day when the British sanctioned the um, 22 individuals, um, the individuals that were not in Russia, be, um, because they had already been sanctioned by the US, but the other individuals in, in Guatemala and, and other places were sanctioned in coordination with the British government using the Magnitsky Act yesterday. And so the Magnitsky Act is being used. And I should point out, it was being used pretty robustly during the Trump administration, not by Trump himself, he was probably not even paying attention, but there were people in his Treasury Department and State Department that were busy sanctioning all sorts of bad guys all over the world. And um, I'm no fan of Donald Trump, but, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's never, never, things are never so black and white that, that, that everything, he, everything his government was doing is bad and everything that Biden is doing is good. You know, there's things they were doing that were good and things that Biden's the government's doing this bad. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's all, you know, it, one has to pick it apart fact by fact by fact. But um, a lot of people were sanctioned then and a lot of people are being sanctioned using the Magnitsky Act now. And I think that Biden's uh, administration and his Secretary of State will be using the Magnitsky Act a lot going forward. And, and I'm delighted that they're going to be using it together with the British, because these are the two places that people like to keep their money. Yeah, it's just odd that they didn't sanction um, uh, Mohammed bin Salman uh, after releasing the report. I remember when Avril Haines testified, yeah, we'll release it because they wouldn't they didn't release it under the Trump administration. And she said, yep, we'll follow the law. And it came out and then nothing. So that's uh, I'm wondering if they're considering that mulling it over or if they've even made a decision either way. But uh, now I'm wondering, and this is my, my last question for you. Uh, I wanted to ask about Alexei Navalny, because what's happening to him right now in Russia seems like a repeat or a very closely. Uh, I mean, it, it's 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 reminiscent of what happened to Magnitsky. And I was wondering what your thoughts are. And I was wondering if we could hope for for Blinken and and the Biden administration to sanction uh, anyone under the Global Magnitsky Act for Putin's treatment of Navalny, because I mean that this is, seems like uh, again a perfect example, like you said, uh, of the Jamal Khashoggi murder. This seems like exactly where you would want to apply these kinds of sanctions. Indeed, the um, so so the, the similarities are huge. Um, both Alexei Navalny and Sergei Magnitsky were exposing corruption. Um, both uh, both of them uh, exposed corruption in a way that that hurt Putin's personal interests. Both of them uh, uh, have been imprisoned. Um, both of them became ill in prison. Both of them have been denied medical care. And in the case of Sergei Magnitsky, he was then ultimately murdered. And in my opinion, um, Putin would very much like to murder Alexei Navalny. And um, I think that that he um, he came close to doing it. Um, in the last, you know, few days, and he backed off because he the whole world was watching, and he's afraid of the consequences. But um, Putin, Putin is a man who can't stand being disrespected and exposed, and he can't allow it to happen in his own mind because if he does, then other people will get away with it, and then his whole regime will come crashing down. And so, I think he feels like it's his imperative to kill Alexei Navalny. And I should point out that Alexei Navalny, um, before he went back to Russia, so he was poisoned with, with Novichok, same thing that he used in, against the Skripals in Salisbury. 
he miraculously survived because of a whole accident of circumstance. And he went to into coma and was in German hospital in Berlin for uh, for a long time. And when he was finally out and recovering, he decided to go back to Russia. And but when he did, um, he told his colleagues that if anything bad is to happen, here's a list of the 35 people who are Putin's cashiers who should be sanctioned under the Magnitsky Act. And 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 as he predicted something bad did happen, which is that he was put in, in jail and tortured, and he's being tortured right now. And um, and the United States government has this list, the Canadian government has this list, the British government, the EU. And um, uh, it's my opinion, and the opinion of anyone else who understands how Putin operates, that if we want to save Alexei Navalny's life, we have to go after these exact people, the Navalny 35, I call them. And um, and uh, under using the Magnitsky Act, and at the moment, um, I've not seen any appetite from from any of the governments to do it. Uh, but I think this is probably one of the most important points of of advocacy that we could be doing for Navalny right now is to continue to bang that drum. He and he knows who should be sanctioned. He said it himself. We now know it. These people. It's an absolutely um, clear list of of people who. Um, who are, as he says, Putin's cashiers, and and it's something should be done here. Yeah, and and he also made clear that if he does die, that it wouldn't have been by his own hand. Uh, and I thought that was a really uh, stunning statement. And um, I think we need to be pushing our representatives and our senators for these sanctions. Um, it's uh, it's absolutely horrifying what is what is happening uh, now. It just seems like it's you know, lather, rinse, repeat with Putin. And I mean, I'm glad Biden called him a killer, but, you know, let's let's back it up with some with some action. Indeed, there needs to be, um, you know, words are cheap. Um, they're not worth nothing. Uh, certainly calling him a killer is better than saying he's a good guy. And we know who, we know who said that. But, um, but um, you know, he's a killer who should be punished. If you say he's a killer and then you do nothing in a certain way, that that's that may even be worse. I mean, because that's just so hypocritical. It's kind of like saying, okay, uh, Mohammed bin Salman ordered the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi, and and yeah, we're going to do nothing because he's too important. We, I mean, that, that, what what kind of world do we live in if that's the case? Yeah, it's terrifying. But uh, I thank you so much for your time today, everybody. The architect of the Magnitsky Act, Bill Browder. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us today about this. Thank you, everybody. Stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by Policy Genius. Summer is approaching, and we all want to enjoy it without a looming to-do list. And Policy Genius can help you clean up that to-do list by getting your life insurance in order and getting it done right. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes of over a dozen top insurers all in one place so you can get the best deal. You could save 50% or more. That's $1,300 a year on life insurance by comparing quotes on Policy Genius. And the great thing is that licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So they're not all weird and and kind of trying to, you know, hassle you and push you into certain things that you don't need. You can trust them. They can help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process too. And that kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Getting started is easy. It was super easy for me. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance you're going to need. And you compare personalized quotes and find your best rates. And when you're ready to apply, Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork, do all the heavy lifting, do the scheduling, all of it for you for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies, and Policy Genius doesn't add extra fees. I love them. So, what are you waiting for? Get a head start on your to do list so you can have a wonderful, free, awesome summer. Save some money at the same time. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it on. I mean, I I don't know how much better it can get than Fox News and New York Post having to walk back their comments or cyber ninjas trying to count ballots. But uh, we do have a lot of really, really, really awesome submissions from our listeners, uh, from the listeners today for, for the good news. And I hope that uh, if you have any uh, good news, confessions, corrections, anything you want to send, what the mutt game, whatever you want to play, send it into us at dailybeanspod.com, uh, the website. 
and click on contact. Now, AG, if I may, because I know when I said pickles were a fruit because cucumbers were a fruit, a lot of the listeners who enjoy sending in corrections went to their Google. Now, I just want to say I'm I'm one step ahead of you. So just so you know that I didn't just make that shit up. Cucumbers are a type of edible plant that belongs to the gourd family. It's widely cultivated and makes a nutritious addition to any diet. Cucumbers, usually considered a vegetable because of how it's used in the culinary world. However, as it grows from flowers and contains seeds, it's a botanical fruit. Well, la-dee-da. I just know some (laughs) random things. It's not as much as you, and it's definitely not as important, but I did know that a cucumber was a fruit. And which also pumpkins are fruits, according to that as well, which is fucking weird. Anyway. Yeah, gourds, I think, I'm dropping a lot of F-bombs. Today. That's all right. It happens. Yeah. This is news with swearing. All right. Let's get to some good good news, though. All right. Let's see what we've what we've got here. First up from anonymous pronouns he and him. We closed escrow on our new home. No more waiting on a neighbor to use the dryer. No oh. more sharing a wall with a cigarette smoker. Yes. Best of all, no trains blaring their horns at five a.m. Plus, butternut and Mom's monster love their new boxes. Keep up the great work. Oh, your cats oh. arrived safely. That's good. Oh, good. Yeah. Congratulations. Got to unpack the cats from the box. Indeed. All right. This is from Blazer, pronouns he and him. Hey, friends, my good news story is that my beautiful and amazing partner just hit five years cancer-free. After being diagnosed with a cancer common in senior women at 33, finding out that the normally slow-moving cancer was quite aggressive, suffering through chemo, radiation, and a double mastectomy, we're finally moving into the next stage. If all goes well, she'll start getting off her treatments in the next couple of months, and our new life will finally be able to move forward. It's been the hardest thing either of us has ever confronted. All I can say for advice is to get therapy. Personal, couples, group, whatever. It might not solve all your issues, but it can only help. I've included a pet tax of all but two of our menagerie. Dogs, from left to right. We've got Garth Tiberius, Tiberius, Garth Tiberius, B. Alana Terrible, hilarious. Okay. Anara Dax and Mutterface. No. All this, their breeds. No. no? no that's, that's Murderface. My oh, friend. it is Murderface. That's that really funny. Murderface. And, and now, now I have to see. Oh, yeah. Look at that's Murderface on the right. Oh, my God. Don't <laughs> jump ahead. There's breeds are at the bottom. Sorry. I didn't. I just looked. I just wanted to see which one was Murderface. <laughs> the miniature horse is Hal Capone. How cute is that? And the feline in Leonard's lap is a ginger and therefore Weasley, a.k.a. Fatas. (laughs) Left to right. Oh, here's the answers. Damn it. Oh, that's okay. Every once in a while, some teams, these are, yeah. Oh, well, we knew there was a poodle on the right. Look at that star belly. Oh, my goodness. I love the marking. Okay. Murder. Left to right. Lab Aussie. Lab Terrier. Standard poodle. Would have gotten the poodle. Shih Tzu Yorkie serial killer. <laughs> that's that's murder face. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. Uh, and then the kitty on the skeleton's lap. That's precious. Oh my goodness. Oh, and then they put he. Oh, he put the. Our producer put your answers at the bottom as well. So unfortunately, we had the answers before we went into it. But we would definitely would have gotten poodle. We would have gotten some of that lab. Yeah. The Starbelly Sneech. I might not have. Well, Lab Terrier probably would have called that. And yeah. I, definitely a Yorkie, but I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have guessed Shih Tzu. I can tell you where I would have. You would have gotten the Yorkie. It. I would have gotten the Shih Tzu. Mm. Nice, nice. We would have had that one together. Yeah. Murder face. It's adorable. All right. Next up from Laura, pronouns she and her. Good morning, Ag and Dana. I have some misheard lyrics to share. Dana might be more familiar with this song since it's Vicky Martinez. The name of the song is Trip My Fuse. The first <laughs> time I heard the song, I thought the lyrics were Trim My Pubes, which. <laughs> Listen, she's a fantastic lesbian singer-songwriter. I would not put it past her to write a song called Trim My Pubes. I should add that I had just been tending to my lady garden, so that might explain it. For pod tax, I've included my favorite picture of my girl Hampton. She's nine years old now, so she's grayer, but I love her just as much. I'm a dog walker, and I listen to the podcast first thing every morning as I walk my furry clients. Thank you for keeping me informed and entertained at the same time. Oh, look at the... Baby. You are welcome, Laura. I'm curious with Laura, and I mean, obviously you're listening, if you're from Australia, because I learned that Australians call their lady parts their lady garden. So I'd be, I'd be wondering if that's where you're from. Anyway, hmm. just small tidbits. Okay, 
This next one's from, I don't know why I'm having a hard time today. This next one's from Anonymous. Hi, fabulous beans queens. I've never written into any podcast, so you all are my very Woo-hoo! first. Woohoo! I discovered your podcast during the COVID lockdown. Oh, and have been a daily listener ever since. I think that the news with swearing is what drew me in, as I've spent an incredible amount of time swearing at the former guy myself, and it helped me feel vindicated. My good news is that my husband and I have reached full vaccine immunity. We Yay. are so relieved. Also, my daughter and her partner are fully vaccinated. We've loved being able to hang out together with our grandson at our homes. Mm. Not quite a misheard lyric, but it's still funny. I was born and raised in Florida and was brought up as a Southern Baptist. During my teen years, I was promoted to the church pianist, which included playing for youth choir. Now, one week, the choir director handed out the music, and it was My Sweet Lord by George Harrison. I couldn't believe it. I got through the rehearsal and then approached the choir director tactfully, I thought. I told her that My Sweet Lord was written to the Hindu god, (laughs) Krishna. (laughs) And then on the record, you could hear them singing Krishna's name. She just looked at me and said, I've never heard that, and dismissed me. And so... Must not be real. I know. Must not be real if you've never heard it. And so the next Sunday night, a youth choir in a service at a Southern Baptist church in Southern Florida sang My Sweet Lord, a song written to Krishna. <laughs> I'm no longer a Baptist, but whenever I remember it, it still makes me laugh. That's, see, that's why you're no longer Christian. Satan got into your heart when you played that Krishna song. And I wonder how everyone else in the congregation that night is doing. My goodness. Oh, that's so great. Her pod pet tax is Maggie, a frosty-faced boxer. She's a rescue, has lived with us for nine years. She's been the sweetest girl, and although she was quite a handful in her younger years, she's been my main companion for the COVID year, as my husband is an essential worker and has been working through this pandemic. Even though she's old, she still begs just like a puppy. Mm. We love her so much. I'm attaching a recent photo as well from one when we first adopted her. Keep doing what you're doing. I will continue to swear right along with you. As Ringo says, peace and love. <laughs> Oh gosh, oh. look at this early photo and then they, oh, the, the older boxer. Oh, she looks precious. I love boxers so, so much. Yeah, they're so beautiful. Beautiful dogs. And that this one has just gorgeous markings on the face. Look at that. With the brindle and then the, the black mask. Oh, and then the little pink note. Okay, that's enough. Uh, Next up, from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens, and happy halfway through the week. Yay. I have a nine-year-old daughter who's been slogging her way, like all children, through a particularly difficult and challenging school year. For her, it's been a constant back and forth between in-person and remote learning for most of the year. Definitely not the most fun third-grade experience. But she's handled it like a champ, and I couldn't be more proud of her. She's got just about one month left, and I can see her fading a little bit in her enthusiasm every morning. So, to combat this, I instituted the ABBA song of the day. (laughs) Every morning, while she eats her breakfast, I play a different ABBA song and dance around the kitchen trying to get her to laugh. Some days it works, some days it doesn't. This morning, however, as I bounced around singing Waterloo, she looked at me, rolled her eyes, and said, can't you just please listen to your Beans show? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard not to adore such a little sassafras. Thank you so much for helping me get through the past four years. And as my daughter will testify, when I'm not listening to you, I clearly go a little bit shit banana pants to use another listener's submitted swear. Bat shit banana pants, excuse me. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Oh my God, the picture. (laughs) Be still, be still my heart. Pet tax (gasps) is my friend's corgis, the one she adopted and the three that showed up a week after. (laughs) Much to her surprise. (gasps) Oh my God, I have never... (sighs) I, I've now met, I don't think I've ever seen corgi puppies, and I need all of them. Mm-hmm. I need all of them. Oh, I just want to hold them all at the same time. I just want to snugs them. It's really funny, though, that, that the puppies are almost as tall as the mom, but they're still puppies. <laughs> just because corgi's legs are so short. <laughs> Those are the cutest little ones. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that last photo. Mm. That, yeah, that last photo. Yep, brought it home for me. What a wonderful little family of corgis. Oh, my God, they have the best dog butts. I know I've said this a million times. Every time we talk about corgis, I oh, talk about how totally they have butts. the hardest working butts in the dog business, and, they're, and they deserve every minute of butt attention that they get. Um, now, if you have anything you want to submit to us, especially corgi butts, I love them, you can send that to us at uh, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. Uh, do you have anything before we uh, say goodbye today? No, just thank you. For- Thank you for your patience with me today, AG. I feel like I was a little bit over the place. 
it's a it's a it's a day it's a day uh me too hey i got my menopause brain you got whatever you're dealing with uh it's (laughs) we all got something we did it kind to each other because we all have something we did it reminds me of that little picture of the hedgehog with his fist up in the air we did it all right (laughs) everybody please till tomorrow take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the bean The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazzell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog died dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, Keith Lorraine, <laughs> Keith Lorraine like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from they might be giants, for example. Oh yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then of course, I'm going down to Cowtown, a cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean, that's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves, and that's where I will be. I'm gonna see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although were they talk what was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my uh, god. The best I can I, lo- get I love their Oh go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, birdhouse in your soul, which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.